of the JP Hoops Podcast, brought to you by Book It Sports. Hey, everybody. It's March Madness season. The first, first four games are tomorrow. That's Wednesday, March 17th. So you have to go get the Book It Sports app and see what everyone is taking, get in on the talks. And if you have takes of your own, it's a perfect community to debate with people. So go check out the Book It Sports app. It's perfect right now, March Madness, the Biggest betting event, I believe, of the entire year outside of maybe the Super Bowl. But this is 68 teams to start and one team to finish over the course of three weekends. So go check out the Book It Sports app. As always, it's your boy Justin Pora. We're recording this on Tuesday, March 16th, a little bit later, 5 p.m. on this Tuesday. Had some major issues in the household. The boiler started leaking. There was a flood in my apartment. So we had to take care of some cleanup. But we are still recording here on this wonderful Tuesday on Long Island in the great state of New York where a terrific basketball game was played last night. That's right. Between the New York Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets. I'm lucky enough to have some friends that were able to go to that game. It was electric. And it got really dangerously close at the end of that game. The Nets, led by James Harden with an absurd triple-double, 15 rebounds, 15 points, excuse me, 15 rebounds, 15 assists to go with 21 points. Dynamite performance from him. Julius Randle, the leading point scorer for the New York Knicks. Some controversy coming from this game. Julius Randle, a chance to tie the game for the Knicks. Taking a three, Kyrie Irving definitely got a piece of ball. Randall goes up, then puts the ball back on the ground on his way down. Rather than doing anything with the ball, it's called for a travel. Julius almost goes after referee Scott Foster, who of course has a history in the NBA of being a terrible official, making awful calls. And now... We have this situation on our hands. And let me be the first to say, yes, it was not a travel, but the way it looks, that's a really hard call for an official to make. I'll tell you right now. I played basketball for years up until I went to college at Syracuse University. Can't say I was good enough to play at Syracuse, but I did play relatively often on the pickup courts. And if we ever saw that happen, look, It would be looked upon as a travel. The way it doesn't get called a travel is if Julius Randle loses control of the ball and it leaves his hands and hits the ground or is just in the air for a little bit because then we know that that block would happen. But instead, it looked like Julius had full control of the ball. Kyrie Irving nearly taps it. So that's going to get called a travel, especially... In that situation, the way it looked, the rivalry between Brooklyn and New York, that's what's going to happen. And I'm sorry, Knicks fans that are listening to this that think that they got hosed out of this game. That's just the call that I would think most of the referees in this league would make. Now, since we have all of these 
rules with challenges and whatnot, you would think that it would go to the monitor. But it didn't. Why? I have no idea. There's some stipulation with what can be reviewed, what can't be reviewed, and for some reason that one wasn't reviewed. I don't quite understand why. Nationally televised game, three-point game. The Knicks came back to make it close. In fact, it was actually aggravating to a point because one of the bets that I had last night was the Brooklyn Nets over 116 points. Up until that point, they only scored 19 points in the fourth quarter. Should have been very easy, but they scored 19 points in the fourth quarter, and they were at 115 for a while, but lucky for me, the non-travel gets called to travel. James Hardy gets the inbound pass. He gets fouled, hits a couple free throws, and I let out a huge sigh of relief. But that's besides the point. That's a call that is going to get made, I would say, nine times out of ten. In the way the optics look, every Nets fan would be freaking out if it wasn't called a travel. But I believe that that has to go to the monitor and the Knicks have to get a legitimate chance to inbound the ball once again. But besides the point, it was a great game. The Knicks really hung in there for the most part, easily covering the spread. They came back in that game. It looked like they were down. Brooklyn had an offensive explosion in the first half. And they were clamped up by one of the league's top defenses in the New York Knicks in that fourth quarter. And look, I'm not going to overreact to a regular season game between rivals. But it is fair to say that there's a question marks with what Brooklyn could do. Look, they don't have... Blake Griffin, don't have Kevin Durant. Now, with all big buyout and trade deadline things happening over the next week and a half, we're going to hear a lot of chatter about this. Maybe they'll go and get someone else. Maybe they need someone else. But I'm not going to worry about it. I still think they're the clear favorites to come out of the Eastern Conference. All will be good and well. They were able to hang on and win the game against a New York Knicks team that is viewed as their rivals. But, look, I just said that the Eastern Conference, I think it's pretty clear. It's the Nets, and that's pretty much it. But as we look at the Western Conference, we're a lot less sure. We see the Utah Jazz as the one seed, the Suns as the two seed, followed by the Lakers and the Clippers. I think a lot of people feel it will be one of those four teams and I think most NBA fans would be inclined to say that it's the latter two teams, the Lakers and the Clippers, with a better chance than the former, being the Jazz and the Suns. And now as we are post-All-Star break into the second half of the season, yes, the Jazz had a great stretch in the first half, and it was wonderful to see. And yes, they played like a great team. Top 5 offensive and defensive efficiency. But now as the competition starts to ramp up a little bit, we're starting to see the Jazz slip. Going into the All-Star break, they lost 3 of their last 4. And now post-All-Star break, yes they beat the Rockets because who doesn't beat the Rockets? And then they lose by double digits to the Golden State Warriors. And what did we see from the Los Angeles Lakers on Monday night? They go 
to the Bay and destroy the Golden State Warriors. Empty-handed, LeBron only needed 22 points for the team to put up 128. Montres Harrell, 27 off the bench. Kuzma with a great performance off the bench. LeBron, a casual triple-double. And they dismantle the Warriors to go to 2-0. Both against playoff teams and the Pacers and the Warriors after the All-Star break. And now they get the Timberwolves tonight. And we get to see a great game on national TV. The Jazz in Boston taking on the Celtics. So as the season is getting towards the playoffs, we're now a little over two months away. We're going to see the teams that we expect more from. The teams with all NBA caliber players. The team with the superstars, the top 10 players in this game really start to pop off. And yes, the Lakers are going to be vulnerable in some spots without Anthony Davis. But even without Anthony Davis, the Los Angeles Lakers are going to keep winning basketball games and elevate to the top of these Western Conference standings. And yes, I fell victim to it. In the poor power rankings, I said that the Utah Jazz were the number one team in the NBA. And I think, as far as the regular season goes, yeah, they still could be the number one team in the NBA. You have to give them that credit. Excuse me, I have the number one team in the Western Conference, number two team in the NBA. But yes, they can be the number one team in the Western Conference. Hell, they could be the number one team in the whole damn league. But when it comes to the NBA playoffs, and you're putting Donovan Mitchell against guys like LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Nikola Jokic slash Jamal Murray, Damian Lillard, Luka Doncic, Stephen Curry. Donovan Mitchell doesn't even come close to those guys. And what have we learned watching the NBA over the last 10 years? The teams with the dominant all-NBA superstar players are the ones that win playoff series and the ones that win NBA championships. And I even said it when I had the Jazz at number two in my poor power rankings. They don't have that superstar. Donovan Mitchell is awesome. So much fun. Competes on the defensive end. But when you put him up against the guys I just listed, he is not on that level. Not yet. He's not a... Demand the ball at the end of the game, take and make a shot, then go ahead and stop the best player on the other team. Especially when that best player or any of the guys I just mentioned. He can't do that. The reason the Jazz are so good are because of their depth. Because they have Jordan Clarkson, who's going to win sixth man of the year. Because they have a multiple-time defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, anchoring the paint. Because they have a veteran leader in Mike Conley as their point guard. Because they have a shooter in Joe Ingles. It's because of the depth that they have. It's not because Donovan Mitchell is a world beater of a point guard. That's not why. And he's great. He's awesome. He is going to be a great player in this league for years to come. But when you want to put the Jazz 
on the pedestal of teams that can win an NBA championship, you have to understand their limitations. And when you look at the team that they're up there with, the Phoenix Suns, they have that same problem, but at least you know that Chris Paul is a proven guy that can get your team to certain heights. And then Devin Booker's in that same category as Donovan Mitchell. But I would trust Booker to hit a shot more than I would trust Mitchell easily in my mind. And I think every NBA fan believes that as well. So when you think about teams that can win a championship and what the Utah Jazz are going to do for the next two and a half months leading in to the playoffs, you really have to keep this in mind because they do not have that firepower when shit starts to hit the fan at the end of games that you know they're going to win. So, as I mentioned the Los Angeles Lakers right there, I am firmly on board still with the LeBron James for MVP train. Anthony Davis, it seems like he's going to be out for another month. Maybe not even until the playoffs. We really don't know. Although we do know for sure that the Lakers are being very, very cautious with his minutes and they aren't going to risk him for the playoffs in regular season action. But I'm still firmly on this LeBron James for MVP train and that especially is the case if he can elevate the Lakers from this three seed into the top two in the Western Conference without Anthony Davis and that is without question. And something that solidifies my argument that I'll get into a little bit as I start to transition into some, you know, NBA trade uh, trade deadline things, buyout market, whatever that may be. So NBA.com all season, this was the first season they started doing it, has a defensive player of the year ladder. And Ben Simmons, Rudy Gobert have been one and two on the list pretty much all season long with Giannis hovering around there. But right now it's Ben Simmons one, Rudy Gobert two, Miles Turner checking in at three, which I'll get to in a little bit. And look who's at number four, LeBron James. That's right, the 37-year-old LeBron James, who everyone wants to say takes off on defense, he wants to sit out games, he needs his rest. No, 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 no. LeBron James, who has only not played one game this entire season, is towards the top of minutes played in the entire league right now. And, oh yes, is the best defensive player on the team with the best defensive efficiency in the entire NBA. Would you look at that? And if you want to say, oh, oh, what do you mean? Anthony Davis is the best defensive player. Anthony Davis has hardly played this season at this point. All of what the Lakers' success is accredited to is LeBron James at 37 years old. And now the league says that he is third in the defensive player of the year rating? He's going to win the MVP. It's a lock now. As long as the Lakers don't plummet without Anthony Davis. Davis not being there helps the LeBron James argument. Because when Davis is there, you could at least say with the Lakers, oh, it's because they have two superstars. LeBron doesn't have to do everything every single night. That's why, 
you know, the Lakers are doing good. It's not all on LeBron. And yes, you can look at Philly right now with Joel Embiid and say he's obviously the best player. You couldn't necessarily say that with LeBron and AD because AD is a top seven player in the world while, you know, some people consider Ben Simmons still not an elite player, which I don't understand. Look who's at the top of that list. My guy, Ben Simmons, who I think is an elite player. And that's what hurts the Embiid argument and helps the LeBron James argument. Because the Lakers are still winning basketball games without their second best player. And that's because the best player on the planet is running the show. And he makes everyone else on that team better. When you talk about value... There's no one quite like him in the league. And I would probably argue to say that Jokic might be second because of everything he does on the floor. Look, the 76ers are the one seed in the East still with the Brooklyn Nets doing everything that they're doing right now. So you have to give Embiid credit. And he would be my runner-up right now. And he had the huge game where he dropped 40 before the break. He is a stud. There's no denying that. But this award is LeBron James's to lose. And he hasn't gotten it in, you know, any of the last, what is it, 10 years now that he hasn't won an MVP? Last one, I believe, was 2012. Maybe it was 2013. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think it was 2013 was the last one. He deserves another. And it has to be this season. Joel Embiid's great. He's fine. Congratulations. But when you talk about value this season, if the Lakers can do better than the three seed with no Anthony Davis for half the year, you have to give it to him. And look, if he's the three seed, I still think he should get it. But when you're behind, you know, the Donovan Mitchell-led Jazz and the Devin Booker-Chris Paul-led Suns, you have to finish in front of at least one of those teams along with, of course, the Clippers, the Blazers, and everyone else behind them. But, look, if he's the third-best defensive player in the league, and a top three undoubtedly best offensive playmaker in the league, even scoring, you got to give it to him. And I am done with the debate if the Lakers keep winning games like they won last night. National TV going to Golden State, embarrassing the Warriors. You got to give it to the guy. It has to be done. Now. All right. So, I mentioned we'll talk about the buyout market a little bit, all the trades going on. The hot name now, you know, we've heard P.J. Tucker, we've heard LaMarcus Aldridge, guys that are almost definitely going to be on the move. There was another name that was being thrown around. It's slipping my mind, but the name to talk about right now is Miles Turner. Miles Turner is going to be on the move, apparently, from Indiana. Oh, yes. Oh, Christoph Porzingis, the Mavs are shopping him. Shocking to me, but whatever. We talked about that on Friday's episode with Jason Goldstein. Go check it out. But Miles Turner of the Indiana Pacers is in all of these trade rumors now. Indy looking to get rid of him. 
He's third on this Defensive Player of the Year's ladder. And an impact guy, someone who can stretch the floor, but that's not his strength. He's more of a defensive presence in the paint and so on. And the Pacers are going to trade him. A buyout is not happening. The Pacers are too good to not get anything for Miles Turner. So we look at the teams that are involved in these discussions. Of course, the hot one is the Los Angeles Lakers. People are getting excited because the New York Knicks are in that conversation. We see the Clippers in there as they are with every type of free agent buyout guy at this moment. See a rebuilding team in the Hornets that are still kind of trying to make a playoff push. Look, it's all great, but it was the first team I mentioned. It's the obvious choice. It is the Los Angeles Lakers. Brooklyn is probably the best pure fit for a team that is probably one defensive center away from winning the title right now on March 16th. But we're talking about a trade, people. They gave up everything for James Harden. They don't have nearly the draft capital it'll take to get Miles Turner. And look, with no Kevin Durant, hand up by me, the idea of trying trading Kyrie Irving is done. It's out of the window. It's not going to happen. He's been playing too well. For the most part, he's kept his mouth shut and you know he's doing all the right things. That's not going to happen. Is that a player that the Pace would want? Yeah, I think so at this point. But, look, Kyrie is sticking around. Harden and KD want him there. That's exactly what's going to happen. There's no getting around that now. So, when I listed those names, the only true NBA title contenders, sorry Knicks fans, it's the Lakers and the Clippers. And I think the Lakers have to make that move. If the Clippers make that move, the Western Conference gets a lot more interesting because. The Clippers have been slipping up a little bit. You know, they've been losing some close games. Yes, they beat the Mavericks last night. But they have some work that needs to be done. And I think Miles Turner could help a lot of that. But if you put Turner on the Lakers, forget about what they'll be like now as he basically replaces Anthony Davis, not as good of an offensive player. Almost every bit of a defender. What about when Anthony Davis comes back? Two seven-footers that can stretch the floor and defend? Anthony Davis could defend every position. Miles Turner could anchor that paint. So Davis is going to play the power forward. And this is with a team that's already at the top of the league in defensive efficiency with someone who's in the top four of Defensive Player of the Year conversation in LeBron James. With Dennis Schroeder, with Montrez Harrell, guys that play hard. That will make the almost nearly certain NBA Finals of the Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Lakers a slugfest. And that will give the Lakers the unquestionable edge. Because that is where Brooklyn struggles. So if they want to hammer home the paint and every part of the inside of the floor against Brooklyn... That's how it'll get done. That's how you win an NBA title. 
And I think the Lakers will be aggressive in that move. And they can give up, you know, whatever it takes. A Talon Horton Tucker. Maybe you could swindle a guy like Kuzma. I think a guy like Miles Turner is worth it. Oof, that would be a dream pairing in L.A. if you could get Miles Turner with Anthony Davis for the playoffs. But we will get more into trade deadline and buyout stuff next week. The deadline is March 25th, which is a week from Thursday. So the Tuesday show will give a bunch of my predictions for what's going to happen. And then Friday, we're going to recap the whole damn thing. Uh... Let's do some shout-outs. Returning from injury, Karis LeVert back for the Indiana Pacers. He saw some burn and scored a basket in the Pacers' last game. So great to see him back on the floor. C.J. McCollum is coming back this week. This is a beautiful sight to see, especially for Trailblazers fans. And let's give a shout-out, Damian Lillard. Who would have thought? Oh, yeah, me. Keeping the... Portland Trailblazers head above water. Even better than that. The sixth seed in the Western Conference. Six games above 500. And now they get McCollum back. Now wait until Nurkic comes back. And this team is going to be really, really tough to stop. Alright, let's do some schedule stuff for the week. And then we'll get out of here. As I said earlier, tonight, Tuesday night, 7.30 TNT Jazz. Take on the Celtics. A big game for the Jazz. Coming off that loss to Golden State, I think it's one that they need to win against a Boston team that's starting to heat up a little bit. This would be a great win on the road in the East Coast to get themselves right. And then the Pelicans taking on the Trailblazers. The return of C.J. McCollum and the Pelicans trying to make that late push into the playoffs for this second half. Wednesday night, ESPN doubleheader starts with the Bucks at the 76ers. Big time matchup. A lot of people would love to see this maybe as a second round game in the Eastern Conference if the Bucks could slide to the four seed where the Miami Heat sit right now and beat Versiana's two of the best big men in the game, the two best big men in the Eastern Conference. And then after that, Clippers Mavericks, going to be another show. They played each other last night. The Clippers got the better of Dallas, but a chance for Dallas to get redemption on prime time television. And then Thursday night, uh, NBA TV has one game. That is the Jazz at the Wizards at 7 p.m. Uh, you know, not much else other than that. If you're interested in LaMelo Ball playing in Los Angeles, the night game is going to be pretty good at 10.30. It's Hornets at Lakers. And then 10 p.m., Pelicans at Blazers once again, as we're also going to see that tonight. All right, that does it for this episode of the podcast. Please check out the Book It Sports app. I appreciate you all for tuning in as we get closer and closer to the NBA playoffs. Yes, a big hoops weekend this weekend, all NCAA stuff. But still got to keep track of the NBA, especially with the trade deadline coming next week. I appreciate you all. Talk to you guys.